Good morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why we have the church. The title of the message is Why Church from Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. The church was God's idea of salvation for lost people, for hurt people, for sinful people. And that's all of us without Christ. You know, in 1 Peter 3, uh, it talks about the ark. Noah and the ark. And it was mentioned in our baptism today. The ark was really God's ark of salvation to cover and to save those eight people, Noah's family. And that ark of salvation through those people who were spared and saved because they believed in the promise of the Savior to come. And God was their God, the true God. New life would come to the earth. Our church, in essence, is the ark of salvation for this community that God has put here. He's put it here. I like to look at our church like this. We're, we're a lifeboat that God has put here. And there are people all around us that are drowning in their sin, in their way of life, or they have needs or hurts and burdens, and they can't find the answer out there, but they're looking for the answer. And the answer is in one man. Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. So what do people see when they come by this church? What do they see? All of us should ask ourselves that when we talk about discovering who we are through Christ. When people drive by 5110 Franklin Road, what do they see? Do they know about us? I want to share with you this story. There was this guy. He had been saving up his money for this fancy Italian suit. And the suit was 1500 bucks. Now, I don't know about you, I would not pay 1500 bucks for a suit. And you can tell, <laughs> right? Look at this. Do I spend a lot of money on this stuff? Absolutely not. I don't, yeah. <laughs> so this man spends all this money and it's, it's tailored to his body and everything and so he's pumped. And he gets the phone call that his tailor-made Italian suit is ready. So he goes down to the tailor, and he says, I'm here to pick up my Italian suit. And the tailor says, good, I've got it for you. It is a good-looking suit. Let me tell you, it's money well spent. So the suit's in one of these nice Italian bags, you know, and the guy's getting giddy like, oh, my suit, this is going to look great on me. When people see this, they're going to go, yeah. You know? So he gets the suit, and the tailor says, well, let's just put it on. Let's, let's make sure that it looks good on you. And so he puts on the coat. Uh-oh, there's a problem. One arm is four inches too long. It looks like that. The other arm is like a couple inches too short. So it's like this. 
Then he puts on the trousers. One is just a half an inch too short, then one is two inches too long. And so he's trying to keep the suit together because the, t- the tailor's like, okay, go ahead and you know, see what you can do with this thing. And he says, this thing looks horrible. This is not a good-looking suit. This is the worst suit I've ever seen in my life. I, I-, I want my money back. And the tailor senses that there could be trouble. He could lose this cell. And he says, okay, here's what you need to do. You just need to take this arm. You need to go like this. You take this, you make it like this. You take your leg like this. You hold it like this. And then when you're walking around, if you hold it just like this, all all the links are perfect. So you just need to walk around like this. And it all looks good. See? You look good. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, it does sort of, it looks better when I'm holding everything where it's supposed to be, you know, yeah, it looks better. So the guy goes out, he walks outside, he's hopping around like this, you know, trying to keep this thing together. And two doctors see him. And one doctor turns to the other doctor and says, there's something terribly wrong with this man. Something happened to him. He may need our help. And the other doctor says, yeah, I know. But man, isn't that the best looking suit you've ever seen in your life? (laughs) You know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? So I ask myself, as pastor here, what do people see when they see our church? I want them to see the love of Jesus. Zacchaeus, that's what Zacchaeus saw. He could have easily seen the condemnation of Jesus for being a cheating tax collector, right? But instead, Jesus chose this route. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And I'm coming to your house today. Not Tuesday, (laughs) today. That act of love on Jesus' part, that reaching out by Jesus to Zacchaeus, changed Zacchaeus' life. I honestly believe that Zacchaeus, he was living a life that was unfulfilled. On the surface, it looked like he had everything. He had money. He had status. But deep down, he knew This wasn't cutting it. There was a void. Do you ever feel like that in your life? That there's a void somewhere? Something's missing. Something's not right. You know, if you look at Zacchaeus, he was lost. That's why Jesus says in Luke 19, verse 10, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost in his wealth. Are you lost in your wealth? Are you lost in your pride? Are you lost in your lifestyle? Do you know it's wrong? Are you lost when it comes to doing the right thing at work? Or at home? Or at school? We all battled a degree of lostness. Maybe you even battle this. 
You don't even know what you believe concerning this man named Jesus. Was he the real deal? Or was he just some historical figure? Some good guy? Whatever degree of lostness that you are battling today, like Jesus looked at Zacchaeus with eyes of love and said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. Jesus is saying the same thing to you and to me. Hey, come on down. I love you. I want to come into your life today. I want to come into your heart today. Are you willing to let that happen? See, Zacchaeus was battling being his own God. That's what he was battling. And I think that's a lot of us. Where everything is about us. We're the epicenter of our own lives. And the world tells us that that leads to joy. We talked about this in my Bible class. When you make you the epicenter of your life, you're going to have joy and joy to the full. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that he has come to give us life. And life and joy to the full. Only through him can it happen. You know, there are a lot of people with fancy titles and a lot of wealth who are miserable. When I think about our community, we have a community, yes, we have pockets of poverty and people are struggling, but we also have a lot of pockets of wealth, people with big titles, successful. But don't let that on the surface make you think they already have everything they really may be missing everything. And that everything is Christ. And so that's why Christ came up with the idea of the church. The church is the vehicle. It is that ark of salvation. It is that lifeboat that is here to help and rescue lost people. And let's look at your own life. Before Christ came into your life, how did you feel? What path were you going down? And that's how many are in our community. You know, there are over 300 million people that live in our United States of America. And there are over 7 billion people that live on the planet. Statistics say that 31 million people die every year lost without saving faith in Christ. Is that staggering to you? 31 million people die every year lost. God has put you and me here at this time in history as a church, as an academy to stop that and to change that and to make a dent in that. Jesus' own mission, again, from Luke 19.10, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the primary purpose of our church and our academy and everything that we do. So in everything that we do, from a fall festival to 
making chocolate bars or whatever it is. We ought to be thinking, how will this impact the lostness of our community? How can we reach these people who drive by 5110 Franklin? How can we reach them with the love and the life-changing power of Jesus Christ? How many of you watched the movie Titanic? Yeah. Depressing ending, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's an understatement. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times you watch it, it has the same ending. That Titanic was supposed to be the unsinkable ship. That was how it was built. And for its day, it was in many ways way ahead of its time. And Historians now think that was probably part of its problem. And in many ways, it was too far ahead of its time, and so some things weren't totally thought of. And so the Titanic, on April 15, 1912, hit a series of icebergs, and the unsinkable started to sink. Historians now believe that most of the people could have been saved had the ship been prepared with what? What did I just say the church is? If the ship would have been equipped with enough lifeboats and placed in the places they were supposed to be, perhaps every man, woman, and child would have been saved. But the tragedy was the lifeboat, it wasn't done the right way. The lifeboat strategy was botched. And so as they were recovering people in the darkness of the middle of the night and for days on end, they simply had two lists going. A list that said those who are saved and those who are, what do you think, lost. That's what it comes down to in spiritual terms, in our world and in our community. There are those who are saved through the grace of God and through faith, believe in Jesus Christ. Then there are those who are lost. They don't know what to believe. Or they've rejected faith for one reason or the other. And so God has put this lifeboat called Our Savior Lutheran Church and Academy here to go out there in these waters and reach people. This past Friday, we hosted the Overton football high school team. Why did we do that? We hosted them and we fed them, a group of about 12 to 15 guys. We did that, in essence, to model what Christ modeled. Christ went to the people in his community. Christ's community, community was Judea, Samaria, Galilee. You read the Gospels, Jesus is all around getting to know his community. He even went to the bad places of his community. The places you weren't supposed to go. He went there. And so we invited Overton. And I hope it's a long-term relationship. We fed them. I got to share Christ with them uh, 
through a prayer and a couple other things and just mainly love them. And so we fed them and then they won. Can you believe that? It was their first victory of the year. So holy spaghetti, that's what they had, holy spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I have to tell you, what, what happened during that event was what we're all about as a church. We, we can't expect people to just come to us. We have to make the first move. We have to go where they are. Yeah, we have a great building. We have great people. But the days of people just saying, oh, I think I want to come in and check out what this place is all about. You know, we live in a post-church culture. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah, maybe even early 90s people would do that. Now, really, with some great intentionality, we have to go out there. We have to go out there. And so Overton came in, and let me tell you, those are, there were no Zacchaeuses in that bunch. They were all tall. They were all big. But then something else that happened this weekend, and it's been a huge church weekend here. And this is also why we have the lifeboat here called Our Savior. As you know, Randall Fly's wife, Barbara, died. She suffered with a long illness. And to see all the many people here at the visitation, at the funeral, at the luncheon, just totally moved me. See, that's what Christians do. They're here for one another, too. We're here for one another. Good times, bad times, in-between times, we're here for one another. So it's that two-pronged thing when we talk about why church. It's, yes, we're strong in here, and we're loving in here with one another, but we take that also out here. God's counting on it. You know what? There are times when I watch the news like you, and I read about ISIS, and I watch uh, the events, and I see a lot of the division in our country over a lot of things, and I say, why, of all the, the years I could have been living here on this earth, why did God put me here at this time? You know, it would have been a lot better to grow up in the 1950s. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like that? Yeah, I've caught myself saying it. You know, the leave it to beaver years, wouldn't that have been nice and wholesome? And instead, I'm a product of the 1980s and Van Halen and ACDC and all these people with bad hair, you know? It's like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> but you know what? Here is the way we should really look at it. God put us here at this time at this place because he loves us. And he is counting on us to make a difference when it comes to those 31 million that die every year without Christ. Just think, it's an honor and a privilege that the Lord has actually put us in this time. Because he is saying, hey, we're the servants he has set apart to actually march into battle and to take on the forces of evil with the forces of good, Jesus. Isn't that an honor that he chose you for this time? I think it's an honor. 
Well, I want to close with this. And it's a challenge and it's an invitation. I'm going to be starting a, a new class. I'm not going to be leading it and I'm not going to be teaching it. I'm still going to be teaching my Bible class uh, on Sundays during the Bible class hour. But this class will start in about another month, and it's called People of Passion. What is that? People of Passion is simply a group of people who want to look at our church and say, God, with your grace, how can we get to know our community better? and reach out to our community. And then that people of passion, they're going to get the rest of us fired up. And in the words of Jesus to say, hey, come on down, I love you. I'm coming to your house today. I want to make a difference in your life because I love you. So if you're interested in being in this people of passion class, email me. I believe this class could change your life. It could change our church's life, our school's life. People of passion. I see a lot of passionate people out here. And now we have to take it out there. You ready to do that? I'm ready to do it. It's time to do it. And it's fun when you do it. We had fun when we were making all that food for the Overton guys. It was a lot of work, but ministry's fun. Outreach is fun. I'm ready to do it, and I look forward to doing it with you.